Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, the Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, the Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, the Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, good evening, Susan. How are you? I am doing well. How's your air quality? It is doing all right right now, but I did hear that it's supposed to, uh, the the smoke's supposed to be coming back in this evening. Oh, so uh, well, at least you've got a, a short <laughs> breather, huh? 
Yeah, I got to go out to Vermont over the the weekend, like I had said last week too. So I got some some good air out there. We were um, out on hey. the the Champlain Lake, so mm-hmm. oh, yeah, wonderful, it was nice. wonderful, good, good, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just seems like every day another one of my friends says, "Oh my gosh, you know, it's burning around me." So many yeah. fires. Yeah, in the airplane last night, I could see, like, all of the, there's, you know, fires sparsely throughout the, flying from Phoenix up to Eugene, and, yeah, there were a bunch of fires out the window, and I would, and they're just, like, these giant, like, embers, these coals that are, like, in the the mountainside, it's, like, they burn so deep and so, they're so intense looking, but, yeah, they were spotted all throughout I guess, like, I think that that was, like, maybe Nevada, California area, and then up into Oregon. Well, but, our yeah, thoughts, lots of fires. Our, our thoughts and, of course, wishes for nourishment are with everybody who is threatened mm-hmm. by fires in any way at all. Here mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. We are getting the little, as we often do, we're getting the little... Um, side arm of the big storm. We just had rain so heavy. It just, you know, it came down so hard for five minutes. I thought I was in Costa Rica where it rained so hard that it can knock you to the ground. Yeah, and you can see the, like it's in the sheets, like that kind of rain. Right, exactly. It's just like really just not raindrops anymore. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Wow. But no no winds, just just a lot of, of rain, and it's so good for the um, trees at this time of the year because they're uh, making buds for next spring, so I'm always happy to have these rains, these equinox rains. Yeah, you're lucky because a lot of places are in a, I mean, on the East Coast, like Shona was saying, I was with Shona home um, this weekend in Vermont, and she was saying that it's, an, it's, a, it's like a severe drought there right now. They haven't gotten any rain for quite some time. And where is she now? In Vermont. Um, She's in? Yeah, Isle Lamont is what it's called. It's uh-huh. on the Champagne Lake. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, we live in a very beautiful, all of us live in beautiful places, even if we don't live in the most beautiful part of the beautiful place. There's always beauty right. to be found the U.S. is a very beautiful place. I mean, really. North, North America. The world. The whole world is just. The, yeah, the whole world. Right. <laughs> really, really gorgeous. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a really interesting guest tonight at 9 o'clock. Olatukunda Obasi, who runs an apothecary and a wellness space in Puerto Rico. She's not just an herbalist, but a yoga and dance instructor. And she is going to be talking to us about what it's like to be an herbalist in Puerto Rico and other fascinating things. So stay with us until 9 o'clock or come back then so that you can hear from Ola Tukunba Obasi. Nice, yeah. African traditional medicine. be awesome to hear from her. So and we have a lot African, of people. She's doing African traditional medicine in in Puerto Rico, not traditional Puerto Rican medicine. 
Yeah, maybe that's her lineage that she's bringing through. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I've been I thinking. Do, I do not know her. I'd be very interested to speak with her and listen to her. Yeah. I've been thinking about the lineages of, of medicine and kind of like reigniting them and like how powerful that is to bring through different types of traditional kind of traditionally pat practice medicines that even when like that line's been broken that you can pick it back up and still you know like have a power in it just like with dedication and like authenticity and yeah you kind of did that with with the wise woman tradition it seems like you could say that um i there certainly was no one before me who had talked about the wise woman tradition Mm-hmm. And it certainly isn't anything that was in my family. And um, I had the help of people like Jeanne Budapest and Merlin Stone, who egged me on. Merlin Stone, who did her doctorate on the goddess, when all of her faculty advisors said, don't be silly, Merlin, there was no goddess. Maybe a few fertility mm-hmm. figures, but no goddess. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how she would go to bookstores for used books, and books on the goddess would literally fall off the shelf under her foot. Or she would hear mm-hmm. humming. And oh, it was yeah. great because Zhuzhana, every time um, Merlin would say, oh, we did this humming, Zhuzhana would nod and grin and say, that is the oldest way for women to communicate is by humming. Mm. Yeah, I always love it when she hums. <laughs> so in a mm-hmm. way, I followed the hum. I knew there had to be you know, something that could be called the wise woman tradition. I knew that uh, the scientific <laughs> tradition... Measuring and fixing wasn't doing it for me, and the heroic tradition of cleansing and balancing was worse as far as I was concerned. And I wanted as a a woman and a feminist to, you know, be able to articulate a way of healing and looking at the world that's Mm woman-centered. Certainly, um, I do think that um, it has deep historical antecedents, but I'm not in any way saying that anyone ever called it the wise woman tradition. They probably just called it medicine. Right. Because it wasn't the scientific or the heroic, which are really both pretty recent, the heroic going back, okay, you know, maybe 3,000 years. But the scientific tradition really only a few hundred years. So the wise woman mm-hmm. tradition is is very, very deep in us, and one of the things it says is that the tradition is the tradition of the place. And I think that's why I was a little taken aback, that Puerto Rico is Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in Costa Rica, what I find is a lot of herbalists in Costa Rica have done their best to just translate European, North American herbal medicine to Costa Rica. And to me, it's not what I want. Mm-hmm. I think herbal medicine ideally uses the herbs of the place where we are. Right. Would you call that bio-regional herbalism? Like, or would you just use... Call I'd it call it the wise woman tradition. The wise woman tradition. <laughs> call it bio-regional, okay. but I call it the wise woman tradition. You can call it anything you want. But what I right. 
for me, as part of the wise woman tradition, is that we do not search out exotic things from far away, but that we look mm-hmm. under our feet and out in our backyards and we say, blessed be, look at what I'm being given. Mm-hmm. So to me, and I could be all wrong, and maybe Olatukumba will set me straight, um, to me, an African tradition has to do with African herbs, which don't grow in Puerto Rico. Right. I wonder, too, though, if it is because it is so deeply spiritually based. It seems like, from my perspective, that practicing in that way, because there were so many like African people that were brought over to that area, that maybe um, there is a rich culture of that taking place there with the plants that exist there. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. certainly not what I found in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Like the, when the Maori came there, it's not like they said, oh, look at all these wonderful new plants and let's figure out how to use them. They really, you know, just, you know. <clears throat> um, when I first went to New Zealand, that's very different now, uh, partly because I went all over New Zealand going, find your herbs, find your herbalists, get this stuff written down before it disappears. And Maria Dolores Sayosi has done the same thing in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And has, you know, the, one of the first things she did when she went back to Puerto Rico where she was born was to interview people in their 80s and 90s who were herbalists and healers. And golly, you know a healing tradition that isn't spiritual? Um, to me, I it's mean, not healing. If, if we <laughs> yeah, I guess that's. That's kind of so a, to like pick one out and say, oh, it's so spiritual, seems like what? That's like kind of saying, oh, that person is really unusual. I'm not saying that it's like... It's, two no, eyes no, and I a nose. No, it's like, sure, it's, uh, of course, in order to, you know, do this work, we have to be connected to the spirit. Yeah. It's very easy in today's modern world, and especially with people moving around, to want to have something that we can call a tradition. It's much mm-hmm. harder to land with your feet on the ground where you are at the present moment. Mm-hmm. I could say, I'm a traditional herbalist. My great-great-grandmother was an herbalist in Switzerland, and I'm only using the things she used in Switzerland. But what a waste. Right. Yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I'm not really present to the plants that are around me. Some of my early native teachers told me that when you wanted to use a plant for somebody who had an ongoing condition, that you went to the plant a year beforehand and told the plant that you wanted to harvest it so the plant would have time to accumulate Mm -hmm. the medicine that that person needed. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's that's like a, a benchmark. It's certainly not something that most of us ever have the opportunity to do. Our lives are so fast. We think about, well, I'll go to a plant a year beforehand and say, I'm coming back next year and you're going to be for so-and-so. Most of us think, well, I could never do that. But at least we can understand that that's where the spirituality comes from, is the deep connection to place. Mm-hmm not from a set of rules that have been made up and passed on. Yeah, 
Yeah, I find that the more the consistently, like year after year, I go to a place to harvest plants, um, like the more relationship that is built and the more I understand of the plants. And, uh, yeah, I think the the medicine just becomes more and more potent as time goes on. So, for and, sure. And besides being more potent, it also becomes more encompassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I guess by potent I mean like yeah, encompassing. Yeah, there's like a like that wholeness, you know, to it. Mhm. Um, mhm. Mm-hmm. Like a deepness. Because mm-hmm. the quest for potency brings us to drugs. Right. Yeah. Because it's active ingredients that are potent, and it's very. I'm you know I'm been really quite seriously over the past decade, you know, looking for ways to articulate that isn't necessarily about the active ingredient or the potency mm-hmm. of it, because it, I see where that takes us when we um, go down those paths. Right. I and guess what? I mean pot- potent in all, like in a in like a holistic <laughs> way of saying it, you know, <laughs> but I guess it may be not the right word. Yeah. I have to think about this a little bit more. All right. Potent, <laughs> capable of having an erection, I believe is the definition. Ooh, Okay. <laughs> that changes. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so important to know the definitions of the words that we use. And I, I, right, right. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So and, I'm sure it has, has, you know, many definitions because it's a very common word. And, right. you know, for me, it's, and I thank Isla Burgess, too, you know, who called us all to attention on asking, what does that plant do? And tell, you know, being very clear about how rude that is. Would you say, oh, mm-hmm. Rebecca, let, let me introduce you to my daughter, Justine, and you look at her and say, what do you do? Mm-hmm. How can I use you? What doesn't Justine do? I mean, come on. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's certainly true, and we use her in many ways. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yes, uh, true. But that, but that um, you know, the, the heart of the matter is mm-hmm. the connection, the relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's um, something that I've always put forward that what's really important is that we are relating to the plants. They're our allies. Mm-hmm. They're not things that we go out there and harvest and make into medicines. They're our allies. Mm-hmm. Even if we harvest them and make them into medicines, they're still allies. We start from that relationship place. And what's your first yeah. apprentice assignment? Find a green ally and breathe with it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, mm-hmm. that's where we start. And, mm-hmm. and in a way, we never outgrow that because we want to breathe with our green allies every day. We get more and more and more green allies until the whole world looks like a party. Mm-hmm. Mhm. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Super blessed. Mhm. All right. Well, thank you. And are, should we go into taking some questions? It looks like there, there's a lot of callers on here tonight. All right. Let's get started then. And in case anyone forgot to press one to ask your question, please do so. And our first caller is coming from the seven zero three area code. Hello, come in, 703. 
I'm here. I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Um, Hi, what's up tonight? Well, I guess I, um, in continuation with what you all were saying, I, um, before I go into my particular condition, I, um, I'm realizing the other day I actually um, went into my garden and with the intention of harvesting motherwort because I, uh, I noticed it blooming the other day and I was wondering if it actually typically bloomed in the fall and, and so it caught my eye and um, I went to harvest it and then I realized that maybe I should just um, div- just sit with it and so I left it to go back at a later point. But anyway, um, the reason I was going to harvest it was because uh, for the past uh, two plus years or so, I've been experiencing what I now know is called vaginismus, which is the contraction of my vaginal muscles. So it makes any kind of penetration very painful, like burning and just very difficult. And um, I'm 31 years old, and uh, I guess a typical pattern for me is stress. I hold a lot of tension in my uh, neck, neck and shoulder region and get a lot of tension headaches. And I also have some back pain associated with a sacral iliac joint. Um, and, yeah, so I've recently... Now that I've brought awareness to this, um, it took me a while to get to a point where I wanted to to make moves to make changes for healing. And um, I did see a pelvic floor physical therapist, um, which wasn't the best experience, but I know I still have um, some exercises to be doing around that. But um, I was wondering if you had any any thoughts or any experience with that kind of condition? Yes. And I suspect that you probably already have my book down there. I actually don't, but I'm planning on. Yeah, which has a lot of good suggestions and talks about a variety of different things. Uh, one of the main things as we move into vaginal things in down there, and it's true for each section of the book, is that each one of the parts of the down there gets to speak for itself. And mm. the, the vagina says, um, I am here to let you know when you are safe. Mm. And when you are not safe, I am going to shut down. I am only going to be soft and open and available when you're safe. So in a way, motherwort is a very good choice because many people say that motherwort is like sitting in your mom's lap. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's certainly safe. But if what you're thinking is that motherwort is just going to somehow 
has a physical mechanical effect that will take this away, I don't think that will necessarily happen. Mm-hmm. I think motherwort will help you feel more safe so that you can feel more safe. <laughs> now, for mm-hmm. some for some women, that means finding out why you don't feel safe and doing something about it. Yeah. But it doesn't always have to be that. In other words, it doesn't have to be... Um, a specific thing because you live in a culture that is unsafe for women. Yeah. And, you know, we can pull out medical statistic after medical statistic of how many more women feel anxious, how many more women feel threatened, how many women literally are physically threatened. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're making this up. And we have it pretty well. So it doesn't have to be some specific thing that's going on. It can just be that you are more sensitive than another woman to the general cultural um, threat that is present for being a woman. Yeah. So... You know, whether it's a specific story or the general story, um, what you really want to do is find a way to be safe. And that doesn't mean you have to be safe forever and ever in every possible instance. It means find a way to be safe for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Then, then let it be safe for a minute. What do you need to feel safe? Do you need to be under the covers? under the bed. Explore it. Thank you. One of the things that happens with many of us is that when we feel threatened and our culture doesn't really support us in feeling that way, that we... um, technical term is somaticize it, that rather than feeling it as an emotion, that we put it into our bodies. Mm-hmm. And when we bring it back as an emotion, it gives the body an opportunity to act in a different way. The other thing that comes to mind is Hypericum perforatum, called St. John's wort by many people. I call it St. John's wort. And the tincture is a muscle relaxer. Great. So when uh, you're exploring places that are safe, I'm hoping that part of that exploration will also be, once you've established some way to feel safe for at least two minutes, that that then there can be some personal sexual exploration. Okay. And that the hypericum tincture may help you to relax even more during that exploration. 
Thank you so you much. Go ahead and make that motherwort tincture. That's a great idea. Yes, motherwort does typically bloom in the fall. You'll also yes. notice you'll also notice plants that look very much like little maple trees, which are going to be blooming next year. And uh, motherwort in many areas, even in areas as cold as mine, can stay almost evergreen throughout the winter time. It's a pretty hardy plant. So mm-hmm. I'm excited and happy you're going to make some tincture for yourself. Thank you. And how about um, comfrey? Would you recommend? Are you drinking your nourishing herbal infusions? Not. I I drink nettle every so often, but um, but that's about it. I did a keynote address for the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference this past weekend. And it was called Optimum Nutrition, the Wise Woman Way, because the theme of the conference was um, coming to the table. And I talked about how um, our bodies change when we drink nourishing herbal infusion on a regular basis. And one of the women who was there, we had it was virtual, of course, it was by Zoom, um, said that she had dabbled with nourishing herbal infusions for a while, but when she finally made the commitment to drink a quart of nourishing herbal infusion every day, things completely turned around for her. Wow. Great. That's really, I'll, I'll start doing that. Yes. Yeah, so rotate through your five nourishing herbal infusions. And, of course, I bring that up because you asked me about comfrey, and I'm thinking, well, you're drinking a quart of comfrey every five days, right? <laughs> I will now. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks for your call. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you so much, Susan and Rebecca and everyone else. Thank you. Yeah, everybody else was saying during that call when you said that it completely turned that woman's life around. Um, when she started drinking a quart of infusion a day, everybody else was like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's true for me. <laughs> Um, but that that really made a big difference. Going oh yeah, and I used to, I used to not weigh out the herb before I when I would make the infusions. I would just put like you know like eyeball it. But then when I started weighing out the herb, that also made a huge difference. Like just having the consistency and my body. I mean that relationship that we've been talking about is so important, and just giving it the consistency and knowing what to expect and. Um, that's like a safety thing too, I think, you know. It is. I it really is. You're so right. Mhm. Yeah. All right. The next caller here is coming from the six zero three area code. Hi, that's me. Hi, Susan. Hi, Rebecca. It's Rose calling from New Hampshire. Hi, Rose. Hi, I'm so happy. I feel so grateful that I'm able to talk to you again because if, uh, I need to touch base with you um, to fill you in on, a, on, on what I found out. Um, when we last talked, it was so um, it was so lovely to, for both Rebecca to um, to um, to offer a suggestion too. Um, but Susan, um, I wanted to tell you that today was an especially blessed day for me because I. Those electrical sensations that I 
have been having in my left arm for, oh gosh, at least almost three months now, they have gotten worse. And, um, and, but the thing is, is I had to wait for the physical therapy to, um, to be available, uh, to get his first available appointment. I've been waiting for so long between his being on vacation and that he had, he was so booked ahead. I guess people are going back, uh, where the, he was more open before with appointments, but he was so booked, I had to wait this all this time to get an appointment with him, and it's the only appointment I have. Maybe I can squeeze in one more, but so I was able to see him today finally, and um, he told me that these electrical sensations that I'm having are due to a pinched nerve in my neck. So that explains why I've um, I've also been getting headaches and uh, a lot of head pain and neck pain and upper shoulder pain, which I didn't have. But as the electrical sensations got worse in my left arm, I developed this pain, and I haven't even been able, been able to like, turn my head. So I was very grateful to finally get to see him today. So um, uh, knowing that inf- information. Um, now that that is more information for you, um, what I wanted to ask you is, um, I know it's my own fault, but um, I've, this is in addition to the scoliosis pain, okay? So um, it's my own fault, but I've been pulled in a lot of different directions. I've had a lot on my plate. And the last time I talked to you, I took some notes, um, and I was very tired i wasn't um i wasn't sleeping well at the time but i am now uh, a bit better but i took notes and i couldn't find them because there's been some transitions in my household so um i didn't i couldn't remember i think we discussed i think i told you i'm trying to remember terribly what you suggested to me in the meantime i've been taking um, both motherwort tincture and hypericum perforatum, which you just talked about with the previous caller, um, two to three times a day, a drop of full, two to three times a day. Um, but my, but it, it's actually the sensation, the electrical sensation has gotten worse. So I'm looking, if you can please share with me again, um, I think there was something else you suggested for me, but I, I just can't remember and I couldn't find my notes. And what, how, how you can um, help me from here on out today, um, besides what he told me, he, he says I need to work out, the, you know, the, um, the muscles again. I haven't um, been able to do that because um, uh, when I was able to see him, he had me working out on the machines, and that, that helped me tremendously. Uh, and, but that was before I had this, this electrical sensation start. So they started when I couldn't go to him anymore for lack of funds. But um, So he says, yeah, I, and I am absolutely on the same page as, as he is, that I'm going to um, start working out again with machines um, um, that, thank God, a girlfriend of mine said she has machines that I can use. So I'm going to start soon. But for now, he, he worked 
on my neck and gave me some um, um, relief by, um, what's it called, the pressure points. Uh, Susan, help me here, please. It's uh, He worked by putting pressure on the, um, oh, the pressure points, is that the word? Since I, I wasn't to... there, I don't know what he did. Oh, you know, when you, I used to, Years ago, it used to help my scoliosis pain, really, but I wasn't able to go for a lot of years. It's where they apply, oh, the word isn't coming to me, where they apply the pressure with their hands on the, is it the meridians, the pressure points, and um, it, it relieves the knots, which are causing the muscles that are just so wickedly in spasm. I can't remember what it's called. It doesn't matter, but I just wanted to give you that update. And if you could please tell me what you suggest cause I, to help myself because I can't rely on anybody else right now. I have to rely on myself. So, And you and Rebecca. So um, I'll be quiet. So let me check in with I, you. Are you still drinking your nourishing herbal infusions? I have been drinking them, but um, unfortunately I've been trying to save up. I've been out of of them so I've only been able to stick with to take um, and I've been doing it for the last two or three months I've been doing the um, making the infusions every night I've been alternating between comfrey linden and red clover those three I haven't been able to do the um, the other two that you suggest nettle or the oatstra yeah I haven't been able I've been out of that for some time I understand. um, Those are excellent herbs. The linden is anti-inflammatory. The the comfrey helps to rebuild muscle strength, and it sounds like that's something that the therapist wants you to work on. Um, And the red clover helps to relieve nerve pain, among many, many other things that they do, but just to focus on the things that are for you. So I think, I, okay. I think those are okay. three really excellent choices that you're making to rotate through those three herbs. Um, I'm a little concerned about um, the amount of motherwort that you're taking. Okay. I think of motherwort as an herb that works over a range of doses. So if someone is trying to lower their blood pressure and is using motherwort to lower their blood pressure, then a large dose is going to be more effective. And that would be like dose. that would be like a dropper full or two dropper fulls, um, as many as two or three times a day. For anyone who's using motherwort to relieve anxiety or to relieve menstrual cramping, for instance, I like to have them start with a five-drop dose. Five drops. Five drops. And then to increase that by five drops um, until you feel like you've gotten the effect you want. So if you're feeling anxious and you take five drops of motherwort, and then five minutes later you're still feeling anxious, you take five more drops. And you keep doing that every five minutes until you say, oh, I don't feel anxious anymore. And then that can... That can be your starting dose, and maybe you have done that, and maybe that's why you're taking a drop of It's possible. Well, um, you helped me in the past with my past anxiety, so with that. And I remember a couple years ago you told me that, and that helped me tremendously. I'm, I'm No more drugs for me. I don't need it. 
because that helps. Yeah, well, thank, mother, thank mother you. Such a lie. But at this point, you might be able to cut back on the amount of motherwort that you're actually consuming. And okay. And the hypericum is not uh, an herb that I think of for. Well, I'm just going to take this this morning, and then um, my nerve thing will go away. I mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think of it as an herb that I want to take when I'm actually experiencing the distress. And maybe that's not possible. Maybe you've experienced this distress all the time. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, the morning is really, really bad. But but that that tingling sensation now, Susan, is all the time. It used to be like um, only um, a couple times a day, and it slowly started increasing those sen- electrical sensations. So now it's practically all the time. I hear you. You know, hypericum yeah. is also put up as an oil. And now that you yeah. know or have some idea of where the nerve is being pinched, you can put hypericum oil right on that area. Okay, that's that very good. Thank you. And you know what? I, I used hypericum oil just coincidentally for the first time today. I have um, as a sunscreen because I actually managed to get out and do something for myself to ride a bike and walk with a friend. Uh, it's only the second time all summer. Um, and I had that available, and I didn't even think to rub it on. <laughs> so thank you. You are welcome. I'm so excited that you got to see your physical therapist today and that you have some exercises to do and that you're feeling like you have a way to go forward. Yes, so it's it's primarily the hypericum oil you said to put on the spots just to review because I'm having a little trouble focusing here because my day was so crazy. And then the other thing is um, the motherwort you say to try to cut back again but do it more often. Is that what you're saying? Did I hear you correctly? I'm saying that I think you might be taking too much motherwort. Yeah. And that you don't have to take it more often, but you might want to try taking less. Try taking less motherwort and using the hypericum oil. So are you saying you don't uh, are you saying that the I sh- the hypericum tincture what should I do with that? Are you saying to stop it that for now? It continued the hypericum tincture. We talked about taking it at the time when the pain was the worst, and you said that was the morning time. Yeah, that is the very worst. And, and at sometimes, that time, sometimes what I do in that situation is take a dropperful every 20 minutes. So you might take three or four dropperfuls over the course of an hour. One dropperful every 20 minutes. And what was the last part? I could take as, as much as... So you could do that. You could take three or four doses over an hour. Okay, sure. Okay, I will try that. So when it gets bad again, then just start again with one drop per full every 20 minutes if it starts up again, because it, it does do that throughout the day. Um, but the morning is absolute worse. So I will try those things and... Um, Get back to you then. Very appreciative. And I'm so glad that um, Rebecca sounds 
really much better tonight. It's just wonderful listening to your conversation with Rebecca this evening. Thank you. I think that trip to Vermont was just what she needed. I think so, too. She sounds so much better, Rebecca. I'm so happy for you. Awesome. Oh, thank you. So I, I yeah. Think, yeah. But you're such a sweetheart, both of you. And um, have a good night. I'll let somebody else come through now because I think we're done, right? We are. Green blessings. Good night. Good night, Rose. Green blessings to you. Good night, Rebecca. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 973 area code. Hi, Susan, and hi, Rebecca. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'll start out by sharing I've been um, weighing out an ounce of dried herbs and rotating through the nourishing herbal infusions for the last 17 years, and it's a beautiful ritual. Um, and so all of the protective factors that are shared on this podcast or blog, blog talk radio are really appreciated. I'm specifically calling because a week ago, um, almost a week ago, six days ago, I was rolling out pizza dough for my children with a very heavy um, marble rolling pin on my kitchen counter. The marble heavy rolling pin dropped on my right toe. And I have been able to use a number of different allies starting with serenity medicine. And um, my question, and I'd be more than happy to tell you. In that situation, usually we start with cussing medicine. With what? Cussing medicine. I'm having we said bad words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. That's usually um, what we start with. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I'd be happy to tell you, I mean, actually my foot is sitting in a comfrey foot bath as I talk to you. Um, I'd be happy to tell you, I mean, I, I, because of you and Robin Rose, I, I grow and make a number of different remedies and, and recipes. So I feel like I have enough um, basic self-care that makes me comfortable and confident. But my question is the assessment, I was using comfrey oil and hypericum oil. My toe is very damaged. Um, and I got I started to get concerned that there might be an infection where the toe bed would meet the the skin. Um, and so I stopped using the herbal oil externally, and I did put a little neosporin last night. Um, I've stayed off my foot every day. My mobility gets better. My pain gets relieved. The swelling is reducing. Um, but it was just that attunement about um, I hadn't even I, I guess it was just in the beginner's mind of doing many many days of, of the comfrey oil relieved the pain so beautifully uh, made with the fresh um, comfrey leaf last year and I'm glad I had some on hand was just that like that ability to know when I, w- I hadn't even thought oh there might be an infection I just immediately went to herbal remedies because I had them on hand and I felt very comfortable using them. And then when I started to see the redness um, of just, you know, at what, you know, in terms of signs of an infection and there was a little bit of pus and blood last night. And I'm, I'm considering going to a podiatrist. I'm not ruling that out, but staying off my foot. Usually I hike every day. I haven't been on a walk in six days. I'm doing um, herbal um, foot baths and, 
a lot of serenity medicine, increasing um, tinctures for pain management, hypericum. But it's just that concern that maybe there could be an infection um, because it was such a harsh, uh, very significant short-term trauma to the toe of this heavy rolling pin dropping on it. Of course, my favorite anti-infective is Echinacea augustifolia. When I was in the hospital in May, they had me on an antibiotic drip. So I was constantly getting antibiotics for the whole two weeks I was there. And they pulled the line out of my arm and they discharged me and gave me all these really nasty drugs. And I said, there's no prescription for any kind of antibiotic here. And I, they said, no, nope, there's not. And I said, you all have just had me on an antibiotic drip for the past two weeks and you're sending me home with nothing? They said, mm. no. So I immediately came home and started taking echinacea. Yeah. And any time I am concerned that there might be an infection, I take some echinacea. Depending on how many signs of infection I see, I might take that dose anywhere from um, every eight hours to every two hours. That's a great idea. I can add to that. I, I have some, again, from a couple of years ago that's still ready and available. In your experience, have you um, yourself or supported people that have lost their toenails in a short-term accident? Because that's probably what, based on how bruised, damaged, and impacted the toenail bed is, it wouldn't surprise me in the natural progression of healing if at some point the toenail uh, just comes off because there's so comes much. Off. And then blood. it will grow back, yes. Yeah. Uh, anything external that you do? That's that's a good question. Would I um, the comfrey oil or the hypericum oil or a salve? Just keep it covered. I can see that happening as a natural progression of yeah. this moment. I, I think what you're doing is just perfect. Okay. Well, All great. Right. Uh, I will make one final um, comment. If uh, you you get to watch a movie with your granddaughter, Monica Jean, I would highly recommend the movie Enola Holmes based on the sister of Sherlock Holmes. There's a number of places where this teen protagonist gets to look at medicinal plants and is a warrior woman and is smart, and it's a really fun movie to watch as a family. And it's called Enola Holmes? Yes, E-N-O-L-A. Okay, and, got it. Thank and, you. Um, that was my serenity medicine with my teenagers. I really enjoyed it. Okay, thank you so much. Green Thanks, blessing. Susan. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 813 area code. Hi, good evening, Susan and Rebecca. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. First and foremost, I'd like to say I'm thrilled that you have a Puerto Rican guest on tonight. I myself am Puerto Rican, so I'm going to definitely tune in and hear what she has to say, what knowledge and medicine that she has to impart from our people. Um, Okay, so my question is, I've been doing my nourishing herbal infusions, but I've been still having a little bit of inflammation with my, or during my period, and I've been 
sort of drawn to the idea of spearmint to help decrease the prostaglandin-related inflammation. Um, you know, something to cool me down. But as I was doing research, I noticed that um, while it increased uh, spearmint tea, increased the luteinizing hormone and the follicle-stimulating hormone, it also increases estradiol production. And that sort of worried me because I'm trying to keep away from, well, you know, estradiol is sort of like the kerosene to the fire, yes, in, in your book. So I was wondering if there's anything that I could do or take to nourish myself in that way, maybe not use spearmint so much or maybe use spearmint only, only certain times or if you had any insight on that. The studies that you read that talked about mm-hmm. spearmint doing this, they use spearmint tea in those studies? Yes. It was uh, one cup of tea for five days, and then blood was drawn. And how many people participated in this? That I don't recall. I think at least 75. And they were not Middle Eastern women. Or they were not from a Middle Eastern culture where spearmint tea is always being imbibed. I had no idea that spearmint tea was always imbibed in those cultures. What I've drunk when I've been there has been peppermint tea. Peppermint. Peppermint is, her medicine is too strong for me. Well, peppermint and too spearmint strong. are quite different. Yes. So is the study done with spearmint or peppermint? Spearmint. Okay. And... So you're saying that if someone drank it regularly, it wouldn't work anymore? No, that it would um, increase the production of estradiol uh-huh. well, within a woman's you know, body. This whole thing um, leaves me with more questions than answers. Okay. First of all, estradiol is usually made for 24 to 36 hours out of the month. That's it. Okay. And I don't even know if we have a drug that can cause more estradiol to be made. I mean, if a woman wants to get pregnant and we had a drug that would increase estradiol, well, we would give it to her because it would increase her ability to be pregnant. But I don't see women mm-hmm. who want to be pregnant being given a drug. Mm-hmm. So I'm incredibly dubious and skeptical that an herb, especially as a tea, is going to change your estradiol or any hormone production at all. This is good news for me because I've been lured, you know, ah, I really want to drink the spearmint tea, but I was like, let me do some research. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I shouldn't be concerned about this at all. I don't think so. Okay. If you're concerned about estradiol, then what stops estradiol production is when you're not ovulating. Mm-hmm. So although we don't necessarily like to hear it, a woman's body is designed to be pregnant 
and lactating basically throughout her fertile years. Yes, that's correct. So that there are very few ovulations. Many oncologists told me that the current epidemic of breast cancer is due to unchecked ovulation throughout a woman's life. Mm -hmm. And yes, the production of estradiol that goes with that. But I wouldn't be worried about spearmint. Okay. Nor, nor do I think that it is going to have much effect on your hormones. There's no particular reason for it to have much effect on your hormones. Okay. That's great news. Yeah. Beans contain phytosterols, Mm -hmm. which are substances that can be turned into hormones in the body. But even when you're eating beans, you are not eating hormones. You're eating something that the body can convert into hormones. Hmm. Right. The, the kind of thing that you're saying, it would, like, revolutionize medicine. If, you know, we could just drink a tea and it would cause us to make hormones. Think about what would happen if we could give somebody a tea and they would suddenly start making insulin. <laughs> but again, we don't even true. have drugs that do that. So, you know, while it, certainly anything is possible under the sun, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not persuaded. Okay. That spearmint shall I. Is, actually, is actually doing this. And why is it that you want to change your hormones? Oh, for myself? No, it was... Um I'm still having um, quite a bit of inflammation during my period and, and diarrhea. What and, and does that mean bleeding. that you're having quite a bit of inflammation during your period? Um, inflammation in around my my uterus and my ovaries and and just around like a it feels like a girdle. All that's, the way around my back. That sounds like water retention. Oh. Maybe you want to try allying with dandelion and see if that helps. I do have some uh, dandelion root. Any part of the dandelion. Okay, any part. Any part. Any As part of the key? dandelion. Picked any day of the year and prepared in any way is a wonderful ally. Okay. The world's most generous plant. I'm going to give that a go. Thank you so much, Susan. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings to you. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 613 area code. Hello? Hi. Hi. Oh. Hello. What's up with you tonight? Hi. Are you there? Talk to me. 
Hello. Are you there in the 613? Well, we will come back to the 613 and see um, if they can get their phone to work. The next caller is coming from the 845 area code. Hello. Hello. Hello, ladies. How are you tonight? Enjoying the nice weather. How about you? Um. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, I'm a little unhappy with the rain right now because I wanted to harvest a bunch of stuff, and now I have to wait. And I just hope it doesn't wither and 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 die. I've had my eyes on tiny, delicate little white asters, and. They're so prolific around my property. And I thought, well, I ought to Google that and, 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 and see um, what, what, what I can do. Um, use the flowers or the greens or the, the roots or whatnot. I've never worked with aster before. I didn't even know it might be a thing. So uh, Medicinally, that is. But... Um, I I just have this belief that it's calling me, and every year I get a almost almost every year I get a a change in a prolific amount of new plants that just appear, and so I've been talking to it, and I thought, hmm, I think it I think it's like a spiritual kind of a medicine. Um, not mind-altering, but mind-opening, perhaps. And I was wondering if you had any um, familiarity with this plant, which I hope I'm describing correctly. But I You are describing I very, very well. Thank the you. asters are a genus and a family. The Asteraceae family is one of the largest families of plants in the world. It includes the asters, which you're talking about. It also includes daisies and black-eyed Susans and sunflowers. It includes echinacea and chamomile, artichoke and thistles. It includes lettuce and dandelion and burdock. So you've probably already used quite a few remedies Made from asters. All of the above, except for the aster itself. Right? Yes, it's and, my favorite. And it must be spiritual is the refuge of um, those who are not willing to take the time to um, really work with the plant. I have been giving a class called Talking with Plants since the mid-70s, long time. And just recently, I gave that class here at the Wise Woman Center, and Justine videotaped the class. Oh, wow. And that was just put up for sale this afternoon at wisewomanschool.com. Isn't that something? So a brand-new course, Talking with Plants, is now available at wisewomanschool.com. One of the things that I say to the apprentices is that you'll be able to get 
very solid information from your ally um, within six weeks, without a doubt. But to really um, comprehend and be able to work um, with your plant um, generally will take at least a year. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy when we're sitting with the plants to project onto them. And I will tell you the vast majority of what I see, in, especially in terms of flower essences and other things, um, it is straight out projection. Okay. And I've never met a plant that would use the word spiritual. Much in the same way that a fish probably wouldn't use the word water. Well, I, I tried to embellish my thought and say that it, it seemed to me to open my mind whenever I yes. see it with delight. How wonderful. How absolutely wonderful. And it, it's certainly my experience that any and every plant can do that if you'll slow down and be with it. Oh, yes, yes. But this one in particular, it's just... It, it, I, I don't know what to say. It's just... Well, there are no, so far as I know, there are no poisonous asters. Mm, okay, okay. Nothing Did, in the aster family is right out poisonous. Bone sets in the aster family. Joe Pieweed is in the aster family. Um, it's a huge family. Goldenrod is in the aster family. Ragweed yes. is in the aster family. Artemisias are in the aster family. Yes. Wormwood. I mean, it's huge, huge, huge family. And although some of them, you know, get a little on the, wow, this is kind of bitter side. None of them are considered to be outright poisons, so you're pretty safe at experimenting. Oh, I kind of felt that way already. I mean, I was aware right. of, of so what you've you're done, saying. Mostly, made an aster omelet, an aster no. vinegar, aster honey. Uh, the vinegar sounds good. Yeah, I, I haven't yet explored using honey as a solvent, but I was just reading up on it at the um, the NCBI NIH uh, dot gov website. Uh-huh. Um, which is not something I normally gravitate towards when I see a dot gov at the end, but um, this is, they have a lot of scientific studies way over my head, uh, but I try to get through them the best I can. And um, I, be, I, I actually had come up with this idea that I bet this would probably be a nice thing to put in some honey and, and see what happens. There you go. That's very and interesting. You'll, you'll have it available to you during the winter. Again, remember that in this family is Echinacea. Mm-hmm. My very first herb I ever, 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 ever took. And I have all of this growing on my property. And the only thing I ever planted was one plant of echinacea. Of course, now it's everywhere because I take the seeds and spread them around a little bit. Or the birds eat them and spread them around. Who knows? Um, wow, I haven't been able to make too too many remedies this year because I, I experienced a, 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 a bad fall. So I've been... Uh, mostly just resting for a couple of months now. But I do see you have a work weekend coming up you, that you added. Is that still on? 
It absolutely is. I really want to bring your neighbors over, those two little twin girls I was telling you about. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, they've been um, uh, getting to know me quite nicely, so I, I feel comfortable now to to grab them and, and, and come up. So I'm going to hope and fingers crossed that I can that I can get there and um uh I'm so excited. Uh they ask about you every single day. <laughs> oh, you actually I'm, I'm you so met excited. Them. You met the, the little twins and um their dad told me you met them recently or at some point this summer. So um well good. Well, I believe I, I that my to... granddaughter uh was in a dance class with them. Oh, is that right? But isn't your granddaughter much older, like a teenager? She'll be turning thirteen this November. Okay. Um these girls are only eight. She was aware. in a dance class with younger children. Oh, okay, she, okay. Because she didn't want to be um with the mean older girls. Is that right? I don't want to be with the mean older girls either. <laughs> I was going to say, don't we? Don't we all agree with her? <laughs> I think that's why I became a teacher. There's just something about the openness of children, and please um, react with such kindness, no matter what the challenge is. Uh, oh, at least in, I mean, at least in my personal experience with them, um, I've really never had had a, a difficult relationship with them or anything so um but that's that's wonderful and um i i really hope they can develop a relationship uh with you uh that will be beneficial to both of you and um i'm so looking forward to it i'm i just keep asking their dad please don't take them away this weekend <laughs> let them stay home and let them do this so hopefully is there any particular day we had to just choose one where you would um, benefit better from from a visit or any help? Saturday. Okay. All right. I'll let them know. And thank you so much for all your guidance and and teachings and just just being here for us. You, you are so welcome. Dream blessings. <laughs> all right. Let's go back to the caller in the six or the six one three area code and see if they're there. Are you there in the 613? Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. You can hear me? Okay. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Sorry, I'm not used to the phone here. (laughs) um, I just had a strange thing happen um, about during the winter, I think I've been sitting more. I know that, but I'm 62 years old, and I've been doing the nourishing herb infusions for six years, and uh, making my own remedies and things. But I've been, as I was sitting around watching TV over the last couple of months, there at night, I noticed there's sort of like a feeling on my uh, around my tailbone. So I was like, hey, it's something a little bit feels a little bit strange. So I move and go on my side and stuff like that. And then about um, Three weeks ago, I um, started to get itchy a little bit around my anus. <laughs> and um, so I said, okay, well, what could this be? 
And so I, I said, okay, I looked in your book and I said, okay, maybe, I thought maybe hemorrhoid or something, but it didn't hurt or it was just a little bit of feeling like a nudge. I don't know, I, I can't explain it. It didn't, doesn't hurt. But so I put witch hazel on my anus and it was, it, it helped the itching a little bit. And then every day, every once in a while, I have this funny itching, especially when I get tired, but it's not, that, that's not terrible or anything. It's not all the time. It's hardly ever. But um, when I sit down, I've noticed that I'm, I'd be careful how I sit down. It's not that it hurts. It's just that I notice that I'm being careful. And so I, um, I've been putting um, um, plantain ointment there uh, on when, if it gets itchy. And, um, or, Good choice. Um, think, pardon? Good choice. Thank you. St. John's wort oil I've also tried. And, uh, it's, and, and um, uh, so I kind of switched between witch hazel, but I'm mostly using the plantain, and then I tried calendula ointment. Um, I'm just kind of changing it around just to, to see if, if um, it will actually go away. But it's been two weeks now that I've been doing this. Um, mostly when I go to the washroom, everything's fine. There's no problems. But I just notice it's a little bit um, itchy after I wipe myself, and so I'll put one of these things on it. And um, I'm starting to feel a bit nervous. Um, I don't think there's anything to be nervous about. I think you're correct that it is a hemorrhoid. I think it's probably an internal hemorrhoid. Okay. And hemorrhoids don't have to hurt. All right. And, you know, a a hemorrhoid is a varicosity, right? It's a a little... Swelling in a vein. Okay. Yeah. So I don't oh. think that this presages any terrible thing happening to you. Oh, yay. Um, Thanks. You're welcome. I honestly <laughs> don't know of any, you know, terrible things that start out with itching. Okay, um, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And... Um, as I said, you're making really good choices in self-care. Thank you. And with those kinds of choices, it's possible that the hemorrhoid will shrink. Okay. And it's also possible that there will be times off and on where it will be itchy. Okay. In your book, it said three weeks. If you're, but I didn't do any sits baths. I went out right. and I tried to find some oak bark. I, I tried. It's very hard. I didn't know how to. Ch- I was trying to sort of take some oak bark off with a, a knife, but it's very hard. It's very hard, isn't it? Yeah, you need a little hatchet. <laughs> a knife is not going to knock it. What I usually suggest is you find somebody who burns firewood. Okay. And they'll have some oak, and you can easily get some bark from a piece of firewood. <laughs> and also, I could use comfrey sits bath too. Maybe that might help. That could definitely help. And the localized things that you're doing, as I said, are really superb choices. Thank you. And um, yeah, I think I think you're you're doing fine. Oh, great! You've eased my mind. I, I started to get worried, and and I thought I'm going to call her now just in case I need to alert. A doctor or something like this. Yes, I'm but, so glad uh, you called. Oh, thank you very much. I felt embarrassed about the whole situation, but I'm really thankful that I called you and 
thankful for your lovely response. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, it looks like we have a call, another call from the 845 area code. I am here. Is that me, 845? Hey, Titania. Tatiana. Tatiana. Hi, hi, Susan. I almost got uh, 50% of the answering just listening to your other callers and your response to them. So thank you for that. Um, Thank you for listening. I appreciate that. Yes, I am a good listener. And you give a lot of good information that relates to me and my daughter and sometimes other people that I know who suffer from things. Uh, What I wanted to tell you is very uplifting and question-marking. Since I started doing Mother Worth Three times a day, uh, my um, blood pressure dropped to like 100, 109, and as you know, I am fighting my medication, and I'm still taking it, and I wonder, yes, I did stop it in the past for two months, but it got me back high up. Now that I was not aware that mother work is for blood pressure. I thought it's for my heart, which needs help because I do not take the heart medication that my doctor uh, gave me. And uh, I, I thought that mother work will take care of that and it's enough to take one medication from where I am looking, uh, which is for blood pressure, the minimum. And... My question is, can I dare again? Uh, Now, the 109 or 100 happens only when I'm totally relaxed. If I go and walk, of of course it goes up, but that was always the case until now, that it varies according to the level of stress or strain I am in. And if I am strained emotionally, it also goes up and... My heart hurts. Uh, I, I try to go through, like, some soul cleaning before Yom Kippur, and I got myself into trouble, and uh, I just stopped that process because I end re-traumatizing myself rather than letting go of stuff that is somewhere frozen in my brain. So uh, I am questioning if it would be all right, like, to reduce my medication to half and see what happens. I think or that's I... an excellent, excellent idea, yes. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I thought that I can do that because I asked for my doctor to give me two pills instead of one in order to tolerate it. So I have the option of just taking one for a while and see what happens. I'm not afraid of that. I just wanted to consult with you. Yes, I think you're on the right track. The other thing, thank you very much, that I want to share with you, and this is pretty amazing, is that I recognize that I'm very easily overstimulated no matter what's going on. And 
being isolated here um, and getting an iPhone from my daughter for my birthday, I got into very exciting things and events, and one of them is a lost love of mine among many from Manhattan, and that is uh, Tango Argentino and Milonga. Oh, my God. I got so excited just looking at this tiny little screen, and I got so worked up in one hour, my head was exploding, and I said, you know what? Just move. So I can't move on my feet considering my weight and all that, but I can move sitting on a chair. And I can't tell you how, first of all, it liberated the pressure in my head because I was just overexcited. And it made me feel so good. It made me feel so good. It reminded me, you told me, move uh, five minutes every hour, you know, because I'm pretty much on my chair when I am awake. And uh, this gives me a possibility of actually dancing on my chair and feeling good instead of going for the food, which also makes me feel good. And there are lots of things that I realize now that felt very good when I was in Manhattan. And that was my art interest and music and dance and uh, Central Park and uh, Juilliard. Anyway, a long list. But I have the capacity to recreate that by listening to music on the iTube. I cried a lot Well. Leonard Cohen and other singers, and uh, I found an outlet for my emotional self that is replacing the need for eating for company, and I am so grateful to you. I applaud you. What (laughs) brilliant work you're doing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. You're really a great gift in my life. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for sharing your story with me and with all of us. Yeah. It's amazing how many things can be done in a state of that seems very so disconnected and separating and uh, isolating and all that, that I, I am bridging over those barriers and be so involved and listen to lots of meditations by Muji on the YouTube that has a voice. It doesn't matter what he says. His voice is like music to my ears totally relaxes me, and uh, it's like a new box of treasures that helps me carry on and uh, slowly healing, and I couldn't believe that, that my blood pressure dropped from almost under normal, but yes, I was just sitting and relaxing and meditating, that's how I got there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quite amazing, quite amazing. Great.
blessings and God bless you. We still have four callers, so um, we'll probably just get to one more. So if you are still one of the remaining callers with a question, please call back next week. And this caller is coming from the 203 area code. Hey. Hi. Am I, am I live? <laughs> Hi, Susan. Ron. This is Nora. Hi, Nora. Hi there. Hey, I, I called in the past um, about hair loss, but I, I have some other symptoms that I don't know if they're related. I kind of have a hypothesis, but they are. But basically one of the things is, I don't know if you've heard of um, geographic tongue before? Yes, I have. Okay. So it seems like no one knows what causes it. Do you have any idea? First, let me ask you, is it bothersome to you? It feels a little strange, yeah. I feel like the areas where the taste buds look like they've just, you know, melted off essentially, I do, I guess I taste things differently on those patches. And it kind of moves around my mouth, but it's usually like in the front of my tongue, like kind of on the tip and then up the left side. Um, so I totally, yeah, I don't know what is going on. Is it bothersome to you? Um, does, it is does not. Does it hurt? Does it bleed? Does it keep you awake at night? Does it prevent you from socializing? Uh, no, none of the above. You know, I have a pretty leave-it-alone attitude about most things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, would you mind if I just mention the other symptoms I have? Or Please weird, go on. Weird okay. So besides the geographic tongue, I always seem to have loose stools, and um, the, hair, the hair loss for sure has continued over the past few years, and it seems like my skin turns over really quickly. Like anytime I take a shower after my shower, it's like I just shed a layer of skin like everywhere. I do live in the high Rockies. I live in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. So it's pretty dry, but it just seems like everything is kind of sped up. But I'm just looking for a pattern, like, like kind of, you know, rapid things are happening rapidly. I don't know if that's just. And then off, when you but. find this pattern, what are you going to do? I would like to kind of slow everything down. Do you have, to have a pattern to ask your body to slow things down? Uh, no, I do not. Okay. <laughs> True. I usually, when I shower or bathe, I usually use a, a loofah or um, a tawashi. And mm-hmm. if I don't, like that, I'm out traveling somewhere. I'm always appalled at the amount of skin that's on the towel after I dry off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So I am <laughs> not necessarily agreeing with you that it's sped up. Okay. 
It might be. I'm not disagreeing with you. Mm-hmm. But okay. I'm, I'm saying that, um, you know, depending on what you're seeing and how often you're bathing and all of that, um, it, it it may be within the range of completely normal. Okay. Sure. That makes it, sense. You know, I remember, I don't think it's in print anymore, but Andrew Weil had a book out called, called Health and Healing. And he kept a health diary for a short while. And he was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> you know, because he'd say, woke up this morning, farted four times, <laughs> ate breakfast, burped. And you could see how, if you really kept track of everything that went on, that you, within a very few days, you could be absolutely convinced that horrible things were happening. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. of course, they were all perfectly normal, right? Right. So it's one of the reasons why I ask if it's bothering you. Because even if it's normal, if it's bothering you, then we would want to see if we can get it to not bother you. But if it's really not bothering you, except you kind of think maybe it's wrong, then it's a lot easier to change your mind than it is to change your body. Mm-hmm. That is true. Okay. Yeah, I would say the, I guess the main issue then is just it seems like I have compromised digestive capacity and that plus the hair loss. That, I would say, is, those are the most bothersome to me. Dandelion is a good ally to pick up digestive capacity. And if, okay. you, think, if you think there's any leakiness uh, in the intestine, slippery elm is good to counter that. All right? Great. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. Thanks. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. This evening, we welcome Olatokumba Obasi owner of Omaroti, an apothecary and wellness space located in Mayaguez, Puerto Rico. Ola Tukumba Obasi has been working in the wellness field for over 15 years. She's a yoga and dance instructor, a clinical herbalist, a nutritionist, and a birth doula. Committed to community holistic health, social justice, and education, she works heavily in community service and African traditional medicine. Presently, coordinates Herbalists Without Borders International on the island, providing community service to people in need. A guest presenter and teacher of many conferences, she's originally from Africa. Her travels around the world are extensive as she integrates traditional knowledge of herbs with a Western education. She received a Master of Science from Maryland University of Integrated Health. Ola Takumba is the mother of three young adults. She continues to learn from her challenge and tribulation as she shares her journey of life with them and the human family. Ola Takumbo works with clients clinically in private sessions to provide wellness and holistic health through herbal medicines. Her experience covers all dis-ease states, including diabetes, pain management, adjunct cancer support, chronic and acute digestive concerns, and reproductive health support for both men and women. Her practice of herbalism is primarily, but not limited to, the Ayurvedic tradition. Medical history and tests 
assessment of iris, pulse, and tongue, and custom-made herbal formulations are amongst herbal holistic modalities that she uses to clinically approach guiding clients to wellness. Welcome to the show, Ola. Thank you, Susan. Thank you so much. Uh, Good to hear you. We last spoke a long time ago. I think it was at the Midwest uh, Women's Conference many years ago. How are you? Oh, thank you for reminding me of that. Mm -hmm. Are you living in in Puerto Rico now? I am. Yes, I am. I'm living here permanently. This is my my home. My new roots are here. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yes. I hope that you get an opportunity to meet Maria Dolores Ayose. Um, mm-hmm. She's written great okay. many books um, and lives in Puerto Rico okay. and focuses on the plant medicines of Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. Are we also talking about the same Maria Benedetti? Yes, Maria Benedetti. Okay. Yes. Yes. I have met her briefly at a um, clinic that I was holding and on the East Coast. Uh-huh. But I look forward to meeting her, and I have some of her books. Yes, we used to go out in the forest and dance on logs to dance up oyster mushrooms. Oh, really? <laughs> that sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Uh, we we learned an ad and we learned botany by reading as a gray to each other. It's wonderful. <laughs> okay. Yes, we so um. Maria and I go way back. So, um, when you came to Puerto Rico, did you find that that there were new medicines there that you hadn't used before? Did you find old medicines that you knew growing in a place you hadn't been? Hmm, very good question. Um, Yeah, I coming. One of the reasons why I decided to plant roots here uh, for myself, my family. Uh, is because of the familiarity with the land. The land, the soil in the parts of the island that is living uh, or have been living, I recently moved, was red soil. And the soil of my village in Africa, where I grew up, is also red soil. So uh, the soil is very clay-like, very red, very rich, and I'd been used to planting. You know, there was a familiarity with planting in that type of environment. There's a there's a aroma that is also distinctive to that type of soil. Um, so as we all know, the olfactory system um, is the oldest instinct that we have. So. Uh, sometimes we follow the smell and not really understand why we are. And for me, it came together later that the earth remind the earth here reminds me of my home. With that being said, plants will grow. The plants that grow in my homeland will grow here. I recently moved, as I said. So. Uh, the the soil is a little darker where I am, which is fine. It's still beautiful, uh, has a beautiful red tone to it. And uh, so I saw some plants, and I said, "Oh my gosh, we call that X Y Z." 
And what is it called here? Oh, it's called this in Puerto Rican Spanish, but it's it's you know something else in 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 my homeland. And then just comparing notes and folkloric use, um, I found overlaps. So yeah, they're very similar. It's actually one of the reasons, as I said, why I decided to move here. Mm, I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So you grew up in Africa? Yes, ma'am, I did. I did. Uh, grew up in Africa. I actually left Africa as a young, you know, very young teenager, 16. And I came to the U.S. for college. I was pretty pretty young for college. I didn't want to come to the U.S. I wanted to stay in Africa. Um, but my father is an older man, and he also had many other children um, before myself and also after, and he wanted to make sure that he educated all of us before he retired and et cetera. So uh, that was one of the reasons why I had to come really quickly. Um, but uh, thereafter, I, I returned to Africa and um, have always, in fact, I was in Africa last year for about three months, so I've always connected with my homeland. Mm. Mm-hmm. Africa is a very large continent. Yes. What part <laughs> of Africa? Well, I'm, I am, it's a large continent, therefore it's also a very diverse continent, probably the most diverse continent on the planet. Um, people often think of Africans as dark-skinned, you know, people with specific features, and um, you know, Africans are tall and short, and you know, uh, very various spectrums of darkness and hair texture and eye texture and features. Um, I am West African and East African. My father uh, was Nigerian; he's uh, since passed away, and my mother is Kenyan. And even just saying that, you know, there's a lot of diversity in those countries. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think of the Nigerian that I went to college with. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was, what, what, he was so black, he was almost blue. <laughs> Sounds like my grandfather. <laughs> my grandfather. Amazing skin tone. And he had... Um, been ritually scarred on his face with keloid scars. Yes, yes. My grandparents had that, both on my Nigerian and Kenyan side. Um, uh, Scarations were, you know, of course, decreased with a colonial presence, you know, a Christian presence in Africa, uh, so that this started to disappear. So most of us, I would have had scars as well on my face, but uh, ritual or tribal scars, but I obviously um, grew up. uh, Listeners, if you have never seen this, we're not talking about ugly scars. We are talking about the most beautiful scars you've ever seen in your (laughs) life. Yes. It's artwork. I I really, I had to like sit on my hands not to touch his face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like tattoos, but scarring, a different form, yeah. Yeah. And actually a lot of it involves herbs, by the way, you know, so... While while the the person whose role is to make the scars, the ritual marks, they use specific herbal remedies to put inside uh, the skin. So that it beads up, so that it looks like a little grain yeah. of rice under the exactly. skin. Exactly, 
and also for uh, you know, healing purposes, like as a vulnerary or just to help with infection or anything like that, you know, and that antibiotic type of properties. Um, so then, they, they and knew. Then, in, in Kenya, of course, what I think of is cattle. Yeah, you don't think of lions and giraffes either? I don't, but that's because I um, am more interested in the food that people eat than the things that, that Americans might go to watch. Okay, because everybody thinks of safari when they think of Kenya. And, you know, I've never been on a safari. People ask me all the time, have you been on a safari? Oh, my gosh, you're from Kenya. You must have been on a safari. I said, I don't have to, I did not have to go on safari because when I was growing up, there were rhino and zebra and giraffe crossing the road or on, along the road or baboons and uh, cheetahs at night, so I didn't have to go on a safari. It, the safari had to come to me all the time. So safari came I to you. It. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and not mm-hmm. far from the Dallas Zoo. So that when mm-hmm. I went to sleep at night, I went to the mm-hmm. sleep to the sounds of lions and elephants. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. Yes, How what an that? interesting message for my child brain to receive. Yes, I know. <laughs> I wonder how you processed it. Now I'm curious. <laughs> well, I'm sure that it has had a profound influence on me. Mm-hmm. Were were there herbal influences in your early life in Africa? Yes, yeah, my story, um, eucalyptus is one of them. Ashwagandha is another plant that, you know, People call it ashwagandha, the winter cherry. Um, was big in in my time. A lot of Kenyans use uh, Kenyan medicine people use ashwagandha. Um, people often think of it as a herb from India, but actually we have an indigenous ashwagandha too. Uh, so that's one. Um, what else? I mean, just basic menthol-related type of herbs or bitter herbs. Africans, at least Kenyans, but Africans in Nigeria as well, believe in medicine, that medicine should be bitter. So if it's bitter, it's good. If it's a strong bitter and makes you go like shake your head and that's an excellent remedy. So (laughs) I grew up drinking a lot of, you know, bitter barks. Um, and like quinine and, or chincona um, and other things. Now, you know, most of my remedies were dealing with uh, malaria. So because malaria is really prevalent in East Africa and Africa in general, sub-Saharan Africa, and I got malaria a lot when I was growing up as a child. So steaming with mentholated, like eucalyptus and mint, uh, mint family plants, um, and taking a lot of bitter herbs, artemisia included, uh, were were some of my remedies or remedies I took. Yes. Certainly when I first started studying herbalism, all I could find was that kind of young herbalism where Mm -hmm. you, uh, you know, chose the most obnoxious-tasting herb um, because, uh, obviously, the worse it tasted, the better it was for you. 
mm-hmm. and it was a real, <laughs> real delight for me to come to the yin, uh, to the woman's way, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to understand the power of sweet. And yes, the, that is yeah. a good thing. It's, it's, it's a, a very different thing. power than the power of bitter. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think bitters should not be taken in large doses anyway, and I think that's also why we thought of bitters as um, just that medicine for when you needed it, when strong medicine for that time. I think sometimes you need that yang medicine just to kick out whatever's in there. Malaria is no joke, you know, you shiver no a lot. No joke at all. No. It's no joke. It's no joke. I, was, I would I was not wish that on my enemy. I was taken to visit an herbalist in Jamaica, and mm-hmm. we went out, and she harvested a variety of different roots. And mm-hmm. she had two big barrels, and one of those barrels was man's remedy, and the other mm-hmm. barrel was woman's remedy. That's all she made was man's remedy and woman's remedy. I love it. <laughs> and she would go through the roots, and she would say, this one, very bitter, goes in the man's remedy. Mm-hmm. And as she explained to me, she said, if the man can swallow it, then it's not strong enough. <laughs> wow. wow. She says she tries to make it so that they have to choke and spit. And then, oh. then the men say, oh, this is a good man's remedy. She said, but for the women, we put in some roots that are a little sweet, okay? Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, I would agree. Well, yeah. you know, food is a big medicine for us. So, um, you know, that's that's predominantly where we get our medicine from. I remember even just in recovering, for instance, uh, you know, we would drink a lot of porridges made out of maize, ground maize or millet, uh, sorghum, you know, and just use a lot of honey, raw honey. And it's women who would actually harvest most of the honey. So that's interesting. Women and sweet. Yes. Yes. Women are sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh. I yeah. want to remind everyone that you're listening to Susan Weed talking to Olatu Kumba Obasi. And here in the middle of the show, I'd like to ask you to tell people the best way to get in touch with you. Sure. Um, best way is through my website because everything is there. Uh, my website is wellofindigenouswisdom.com, wellofindigenouswisdom.com. Yep. Wonderful. Now, you're the uh, third or fourth guest that we've had over the past three or four months who's been working with Herbalists Without Borders. Can you tell us a little more about that and more about your involvement? Sure. Well, I started with Herbalists Without Borders as a coordinator in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when I I had Ola's Herb Shop there. Um, I left Pittsburgh about five years ago now uh, for here, for Puerto Rico. And, um, you know, sometimes we, I don't know about you, Susan, but for me, as a herbalist, I reached a place where it just, seems so much more about business, uh, at least with a herb shop. And I just felt like, you know, herbs are community medicines. They should be accessible for everyone. Um, 
should be provided to anyone should be able to experience herbalism or herbal, herbal remedies. So I, I found a way to do that. I con- connected with uh, Herbalists Without Borders um, and uh, started with some free clinics there and it was really really successful I got lots of massage therapists in and Reiki healers and all kinds of people who I interviewed and became part of the team and of course I was doing herbalism and eventually I started my school and I had lots of students who are also practicing um, and still some are practicing um, at the free clinic and so it was just an opportunity to to open up and, and contribute to the community and give back effort time through volunteer work. And then came Hurricane Maria, um, which was just a couple, a year and a half or so after I had moved uh, to the island. And uh, there were not, there are not, no herbalists doing any clinical work on the island. So uh, I connected with Denise who is uh, Cusack, who is a Herbalist Without Borders executive director. And we started, you know, she said, okay, you're the island coordinator, go for it. Um, And since then, I've been uh, going across the island and having free clinics in in the east, the south. uh, And I'm going to be establishing another clinic in Guayama, a city called Guayama, been in Humacao a lot. I go there often and uh, in Ponce. Uh, when the hurricane had happened, Hurricane Maria, I was in Hayuya. Uh, this is, was, I was working with a lot of the mountain people. Uh, it was, wow, it was very, very difficult working there. People were lining up. I was the only, uh, at the shelter, the only health care uh, provider that was coming to help people. It was very sad, and uh, but also shows how herbalism can be effective even in a time of emergency. Yes, herbal medicine is people's medicine, and really, medicine. really makes my heart so happy that Herbalists mm-hmm. Without Borders is doing so much. It just, I am constantly grinning because of it. Yes. You know, and I'm so thankful. I just want to say, in case somebody hears this on your radio, on this, you know, show, that all herbalists who donate to Herbalists Without Borders, all your different potions and concoctions and formulas, and you know, all the kindness and the energy that's put into there, and those of us who are receiving to help our communities, I'm so grateful and thankful that you're you're doing this because, like Susan said, it it is the people's medicine. It's community medicine. That's what it's about. Tell us about your school. You've mentioned your school a couple of times. I'd like to know more. Sure. Well, Well of Indigenous Wisdom School is a school that I established in 2012. Um, You know, being African, lots of people admired the fact that I knew where I was from. I knew my story, my connection to my roots very well and held them dearly and you know, they uh, that that presence of my story um, is strong in my walk, in my practice, and and uh, people said they want that, you know. And uh, I, you know, you know, with American history being what it is, whether it's 
slave history or people having to leave a country for a better life, uh, there is a disconnect for some people. They cannot trace back to their roots as they have, you know, as I can. Um, so there's a lot of interruption of story. And so I decided that, you know, actually we can find that story. We can, we can reestablish it. And that's where indigenous wisdom comes in. It, it means that even if we can have an indigenous identity, we can also connect with the indigenous elements of the planet, which are indigenous. These are just the basic elements, air, fire, water, earth, you know, which the plants are connected to. Um, so the school is established out of those concepts, the fact that if we can tap into the elemental world, then we can tap into our ourselves, the indigenous self, that make, the elements make us all um, and, and grow from there and heal from there and, and also uh, help others to do that in a clinical manner. So, you know, I'm working with clinical herbalism predominantly, but there's also a lot of healing arts. Uh, the first tier of my classes is about healing yourself. So this is confronting uh, uh, one's, one's wound, uh, working with perspective, shifting that. And then the second level is uh, more about clinical herbalism and mentorship. All right. Lots <laughs> and lots of people to go out and share with other people so that more and more people are connected to the plants and connected to the place where they live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very important. Very important. Very the place where they live is part of the indigenous part of all, right? You know, which land are you standing on and what plants are native to that that area? Are you using them? Um, you know, I think more of us need to look at where we are versus looking outside of where we are, which is also symbolic of looking at who we are versus looking at another person. And, you know, in the case of my story, there, were, there was admiration, which is good, I think, but doesn't you know with balance and with integrity yeah 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 mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what's new well what is new well we have lots of earthquakes here and so uh, and the weather is changing our winter is windy and a little cold in the evening but nothing like snow and uh, uh, ice <laughs> that you might have where you're living. <laughs> um, I'm have moved, so my apothecary, my home apothecary is forming. I still have lots of things in boxes, and I'm really looking forward to my nighttime medicine making. Um, I love to work with, there's a particular plant that has been calling my name. We call it here uh, Oregano Brujo. Um, It's pretty common. It's also like oregano, uh, Cuban oregano. You can use it in cooking beans. But it's an African herb. Originally, it comes from, uh, I would say, East Congo, Africa, which is also the African presence here on the island. 
a lot of people's roots are Bantu Congo. And uh, it's in the uh, Lamiaceae family. It's very, very strong. It's called Oregano Brujo, which is it's, uh, translated as witch oregano. I was going to say, uh, if that yeah. sounds like witch oregano, although I call it uh-huh. oregano Brujo instead of Brujo. <laughs> yeah, well, here it's Brujo. We do have Brujo. There's a Yerba Brujo as yeah. well. So I think there's just some some different, well, it should really just be Brujex, actually, because okay. you know, get, get rid of that O and the A, right? There you go. <laughs> the, binar- the binary language. Um, so do you primarily use that in a water base, or do you make a tincture with it? Well, you can use it as a water base. I mean, it's very aromatic, and like I said, it's in the Lamiaceae family, so it really makes a good infusion, or even decoction, truly. You can long de- infuse. I never make an infusion of anything in the Lamiaceae family. Yeah, long decoction, long infusion or decoction, so overnight infusion for sure. Yes, not I never do that. One. I okay. never do Is there that. a reason why you, you don't do that? Yeah, because I think it's very harmful to the body. Mm. The okay. plants in that family have a lot of volatile oils. Yes, they do. And those volatile oils are extremely harsh on the kidneys and the liver mm-hmm. when they are extracted through long brewing. Many mm-hmm. people have had a pot of chamomile tea, not drunk mm-hmm. the whole pot, and the next morning when they mm-hmm. go to finish off the pot, they find they can't drink it because it's too bitter and there's an oily surface yes. to it. Yes, chamomile That's what happens when you brew yeah. aromatic plants for a long time. And once or yes. twice you can get away with it. It's not going to harm your mm-hmm. kidneys or your liver once or twice. But I mm-hmm. use herbs every single day in my life. And daily ingestion of um, a mint infused or decocted will definitely harm the kidneys and liver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, organic so very use those, I would use those plants as a tea. In other words, mm-hmm. a small amount of the fresher dried plant brewed for a very short time. Mm-hmm. Because well, I, just want, I just want the volatiles. The long steeping yeah. is to get minerals and polyphenols yeah. and proteins, things that we're not going to find from plants in the mint family. Right. This is high in volatile oil. I mean, the monoterpene so it only needs so to steep for a few minutes just to get those volatiles. Okay. Well, yeah. So I would definitely go with that, uh, you know, infusion. And uh, I do not like get infusion. An infusion, to me, is a full ounce mm-hmm. of herb steeped for four hours. I make it tea. Okay, then, it, then the, tea the word be small amount of herb. Or, yeah, like a tisane or a, tea, a steeping. Yes, exactly. Short steep. Okay, short steep. Okay. Um, most people here on the island just use the leaves, but uh, in in Africa we use the roots as well of this plant. Um, let me actually speak its name. It's uh, Plectranthus species. It's in the Plectranthus species. P-L-E-C-T-R-A-N-T-H-U-S. Um, and so you can one can look through that at uh, Plectranthus officinalis. Um, what else can I say? Oh, Traditionally, also in Africa, we use the juice. We juice the leaf. What do you think about that? The fresh leaf juice. 
we just press it. We don't have juicers or anything. So just think of, you know, like village setting. Um, volatiles, of- volatiles are outside the cell wall. Pressing mm-hmm. will get volatiles, which means coloring matter, aroma, and that's fine. Again, we're talking about plants in which those are the primary constituents that we want. We're not, you know, juicing or pressing is not going to get any minerals or proteins or, you know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Well, the fresh juice squeeze is used for immediate stomach aches or, uh, you know, if a purgative is needed. But yes. uh, stomach as, aches as almost every plant in the mint family. Wonderful yeah, exactly. for, for helping yeah. digestion, right? From digestion, peppermint all flatulence. the way out through, you know, even the scentless yeah. ones like motherwort can still help with that. Yes. Oh, I could talk to you for a long, long time, but it's a blog talk (laughs) show, and they're going to cut us off. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to ask you the last question. thank you for having me on. Mm -hmm. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's been listening to you tonight? Well, just, you know, for people to have an open heart and an open mind uh, in this time particularly, you know, and that let us – I think I'm just going to go with what – Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you want to see. Be the change you want to see. Beautiful, beautiful words. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And if you want more, please go to wellofindigenouswisdom.com. Thank Thank you, you, Oma. Thank you so much for weaving such vibrant, threads into the healing cloak of the ancients that we are all engaged in reweaving until that cloak unfurls and wraps itself around our whole planet. Thank you so much for being on the show. Good night, Rebecca. Thanks for helping me move herbal medicine into its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Good night. Good night. Green blessings, everyone.